Welcome to the Rosenbox, where dancers go for show prep and candid chat. I'm Claire Kretschmar. And I'm Aron Sands, and we are dancers with New York City Ballet. Hi, listeners. Welcome to a new episode of the Rosenbox. Here with me, Claire Kretschmar, and I, we're going to talk about the educational department of New York City Ballet. Yeah, exactly. So there's a whole department at mm -hmm. New York City Ballet for these programs that cater to people who are just outside of New York City Ballet, but who want to partake in dance classes or movement workshops. And even it also, some of these education programs involve going to destinations like in New York City, like say different hospitals in New York City to just be with the patients there or to maybe give a little demonstration of a dance of some sort or going to public schools to teach creative movement to the students. Uh, often they're like, I think, third graders and fifth graders and even some middle schoolers. So the education department is very versatile in that they go out to places in the New York City area and that they also host like inside New York mm -hmm. City Valley workshops where you get to actually come into one of our studios mm -hmm. and be immersed in the ballerinas yeah life it, because world. it gives an opportunity for the dancers to participate in this project of the educational department so whoever comes they get like one-on-one -on -one work with the dancers yeah it's very up close it's very personal the relationships that you can have with the dancers you see on stage um, because so the education department is run by a few women but then they ask the current dancers of New York City Ballet to lead a lot of these classes and that enables the personal relationship so that right you know the people that you see on stage are now in the yeah, studio the with you. you get to learn from. Yeah, yeah, and you get to know them as people as well as dancers. Mm -hmm. And it's an opportunity also for the current dancers at New York City Ballet to connect with the people who watch them mm -hmm. or the people who they haven't met yet who mm -hmm. maybe don't watch them on stage but who, have it, who haven't, yeah, yeah, not yet, but people who have an interest in ballet. Mm -hmm. And today we're going to talk to Colleen Megley and Kristen Sagan. Kristen being a current dancer with New York City Ballet who often teaches for these programs. And then Colleen is one of the senior managers of the education department under the direction of Laura Johnson mm. and leading specifically the public school programs with New York City Ballet. So they're coming from kind of the two key sides mm -hmm. of this but I'm curious, Aron, what has been your experience like with the education department? Yeah, we have both been so lucky to be considered and asked to partake in a few of their different projects of the educational department. And I have enjoyed doing things from giving tours around oh, the theater. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, I've done those either in English or Spanish. And those often happen like sometime before the performance they'll get access to the house and uh, backstage as well as the stage as we're given some um, information and background on the performance that's going to happen to the group. Mm -hmm. I've also led and co-led some of the workshops 
for children and adults, as well as people with disabilities, any kind of disability, hosted a family Saturday, which I would love That's to big. talk about later, and recorded a reading of the Sleeping Beauty children's book that is sold at the store of uh -huh. our theater. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. You've done a very diverse palette yeah. of yeah programs with them. And yeah, I think I too have done. How about you? Yeah. Yeah, I think I've done a lot of the similar things that you've mentioned, minus I haven't led a family Saturday. I think I did an event called The Nutcracker Behind the Magic, something like mm -hmm. that, talking about the Nutcracker where you had to kind of moderate a program based on the Nutcracker. But anyway, the one other thing that I've started to do now because I'm not dancing full time is I've become a teaching artist at New York City Ballet and what that is it's a, a group of teachers that is cultivated and facilitated by the New York City Ballet Education Department and we go into the New York City public schools and we teach a creative movement curriculum that's inspired by New York City Ballet repertoire and so with this program you go to a public school for about 10 sessions over a period of a few months and you'll teach them not only about a few ballets like I teach them about this is part of the curriculum mm -hmm. it's like um, Justin Peck's Rodeo you have Jerome Robbins class pieces and George Balanchine's Tarantella so you kind of teach them about these ballets there's also one about the Nutcracker that goes to students when they're third grade but you teach them about these ballets, but you also teach them about like the form of ballet and like what kinds of shapes you can make. Mm -hmm. uh, what do steps mean and how do you string them together mm -hmm. to make like your own choreographic work? And so at the end of like this program in the public schools, you encourage the students to make and share a dance. Anyway, that's a one of the things that I've mm -hmm. been doing with the education department even though I'm not still a dancer mm -hmm. at New York City Ballet it's still feels like I am like connected mm -hmm. to the company in that way and able to share what I know to new audiences which is exciting beautiful that sounds great and I think we should welcome our guests today let's do it and now, welcoming to the podcast, we have Colleen Migley and Kristen Sagan with us. Welcome. Hi, Hi. thank you. So we're going to talk about the education programs at New York City Ballet, because there's a whole department dedicated to education. And so I'm wondering, Colleen, can you tell us a little bit about yourself, first of all, and then also how you came to work for the New York City Ballet Education Department? Yeah, so I'm the senior manager of school programs. I use she, her pronouns. And I was teaching in New York City dance for about like nine or 10 years. And I was at a private studio environment. And there was this one little tiny bit of our program where we would go out to a shelter in the neighborhood and we would teach choreography to students and we would make pieces with them. And so over the years, I kind of found myself living for that one little piece of my job and just really liked the other side of dance education, which was like community engagement. 
So when uh, I saw this position at New York City Ballet and the chance to get into public school programming and educational outreach, I was really excited um, just to fully dive into that world. And what does your role entail with New York City Ballet? Oh, so I manage all of our school partnerships. So New York City Ballet works with public elementary schools all across five boroughs. And we have school residency programs. We have theater tours. And uh, I get to manage all of the teaching artists that work within those programs and make those school partnerships. And what is the age demographic of the students that you work with in the programs? Yeah, so for school programming, it's like six years to about 13 years from first through fifth grade primarily. With some of our other educational programs, we really work with all ages from Mm -hmm. youngest to however old wants to come to ballet (laughs) class, um, support that. Uh, But public school, first through fifth grade is our sweet spot. We really love working with elementary ages. And you kind of touched upon it already, but there are other programs in addition to the public school programs. And I'm curious if you could just give like a little overview of what those also entail as a part of New York City Valley's education department. Yeah, totally. So the education department has three main branches. We have our school programs, which I've just mentioned, working with New York City public schools. Then we have our public programming, and that's a really wide category. So we have workshops for children, workshops for adults. We have onstage presentations, whether those are inside NYCB, where you can really get your ballet domain on and learn more about Balanchine and lots of things, or uh, Family Saturdays. We have sensory-friendly performances coming up this year. So we have a lot of different onstage and workshops and public programs. And then we also have a division, our access programming. These workshops and programmings are fostered through specific partnerships and are for individuals with disabilities. So we have workshops for children, teens and adults with physical disabilities, workshops for children who are on the autism spectrum. Any partnership that we can make, we're always kind of looking to work with new communities in that way. And when was this particular department of New York City Ballet maybe formally established? Hmm. Yeah, when was it formally established, but maybe there were little rumblings of creation before that. So for the access programs, they're about to have their 10-year anniversary next year in 2024. So it's just really exciting that this programming came out of this beautiful request for someone's daughter to dance. And this programming has just really expanded. Mm -hmm. So 10 years for access, but for the education department at large, Formally since 1979, but there's been educational programming since 1961. George Balanchine was really into engaging with audiences in lots of different ways. I love that. That's something I didn't really know, that this education department has been around for a while. I guess I just always assumed that it was a fresher part of New York City Ballet. Yeah. Maybe just because it, it feels fresh. Yeah. Like to, to be engaged with truly yeah. like the education mm-hmm. department, it yeah. feels fresh to be engaged with it because there's just naturally this, the learning, obviously, mm-hmm. portion of it where, I mean, obviously you get the professional dancers from New York City Ballet working with the education department. But we can also learn just as much as the people who are coming in from the outside New York City ballet bubble. Totally. Um, just as much as they learn, but we just learn different things. Right. Yeah. Which is a great segue to introduce Kristen Sagan. And Hi. what has your involvement been with the education department and how did you first start to do some of this work? 
Okay, so I first started as a student at the School of American Ballet. I was selected to be a helper for the children's workshops. I was about 15 or 16 years old um, when I started doing that, and I fell in love with it. And I took part in this one interview once where I was asked what I wanted to do after I was done dancing, and I said, I told the education department that I wanted their jobs. Uh, we're excited about that. Just for the record, we would love that. We talk about that moment frequently. Yeah, we they don't let do. me live that That's moment hilarious. down now that I'm a little bit older, but that was my 15, 16-year-old self saying wow. that. And I've been involved with the education department ever since. As soon as I joined the company, I started leading a few workshops, and now I think I can safely say that I've been involved in every single aspect of the education department in my 16th year. I was, about to, ask, I was about to ask how many, how many <laughs> years have you been a dancer in New York This City is my 16th year. I wow. joined the company in 2008 as an apprentice. Wow. Mm -hmm. That's amazing. And would you mind listing some of those projects and, and activities that you are involved with? Sure. So one of my favorite things that's actually pretty new is the the weekend, the workshop weekend, oh, the Ballet Essentials ballet workshop, oh, weekend. workshop weekend. For adults, yes. right? Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah, tell us about this. Yes, this is, I think it's its second year. We're going on our third year. We got paused a little bit during the pandemic, but it's a weekend for adults to have a ballet summer camp experience where they spend three or four days in the studio with four to five New York City ballet dancers, and we teach them rep from our vast repertoire, George Balanchine, Robbins, and then at the end of the workshop, they get to perform it for us, these little excerpts that we teach them, and then we also perform little excerpts of what we dance for them as well. So it's been a lot of fun. It feels like summer camp again. That's and awesome. It's one of my favorite programs to participate in. I'm like, can former New York City Ballet dancers come? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> come You're always welcome, Claire. <laughs> <laughs> no, it sounds really fun. Yeah. And, but it's something I've been thinking about, too, in being, like, away from New York City Ballet is how, like, you know, a lot of children grow up doing dance classes but then when they go to college or they start working it just kind of falls by the wayside mm -hmm. and they don't really have an outlet to use that talent that they cultivated as a child and so it's just so nice that there are these places for adults to do really excellent dance mm -hmm. and to do really excellent ballet the and, love for ballet, you know, runs deep and yeah. it lasts mm -hmm. forever. So mm -hmm. it's it's and it's a nice connection to have with the people who take this workshop. And actually this most recent time that I taught, there was an older woman who was in her 60s and she danced for the Bulls senior dance team. And she came all the way from Chicago Whoa. to do this workshop with us. And she was fabulous. I bet. I yeah. Wow. It was great. <laughs> what are some of the kids' programs? I know one of the big ones is the Family Saturday, which mm. I think we've all been a been part of in, so, mm -hmm. in some, some point, way. Yeah. yeah, I actually just had to explain this to my uncle because I'm trying to convince him to bring his grandchildren to the next Family Saturday. So it's a one-hour performance where the orchestra is on stage and we break apart different ballets and show excerpts of different ballets to 
the audience and it's interactive with the children. We teach them some movement combinations. They get to get up in their seats and dance along with us. And we kind of explain, you know, choreographers, composers, all the elements that go into performing these excerpts. So I think oftentimes when parents are thinking about bringing their kids to the ballet for the first time, they're really apprehensive that their child might be a little fidgety or loud. So this is like a family party. Everything is welcome. The lights aren't too dark. There's lots of children um, like laughing and dancing along. So I think just having that opportunity to have a really positive experience at the theater before you kind of go into that more um, traditional performance Mm -hmm. viewing is really helpful. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times it's not just the first time for the kids. It's also the first time for adults and come to the theater and see a live performance uh, of this level. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And really fun to experience that with your child mm-hmm. and new interest for both of you. Probably other than Family Saturdays, student matinees might be the other mm. biggest program that we have. And those are performances where all of our public school students come to special performances and it's full length performances by the company. This fall we'll have coming up two of George Balanchine's The Nutcracker. And just this morning, I had a principal asking me, like, oh, uh, are the dancers um, sure or aware that, like, this is a performance for students? Like, they might be, like, rowdy or they might be, you know, really excited. I was like, oh, they know. They are. (laughs) And they are. (laughs) Yeah. I think, like, you can hear the applause from the dressing room sometimes when, like, the curtains or lights Mm -hmm. go down. It's a lot of excitement. And, you know, infamous stories when during the marzipan dance they like to clap along because they're so hyped from the candy cane dance that they try to keep clapping along with us and it doesn't really work with that music but (laughs) it's a lot of fun as a dancer to you know hear their enthusiasm sometimes it's some of their first like journeys into manhattan right some of Mm. these public school students have never even been into manhattan let alone to a ballet performance before Yeah, and especially after everything that's been going on the last couple years, I think a lot of students haven't even been on field trips or had the opportunity to really explore outside of school in so many ways. Mm -hmm. Uh, So last year, we had our uh, student matinees return, and it was a whole other level of excitement, for sure. Oh, I didn't realize, gosh, that last year was the first year that it came back yeah Mm -hmm. yeah as a dancer and then now as like someone who sits in the audience it is so exciting to hear like the applause right in the beginning when the even when the lights go down yeah oh yeah yeah. they they (laughs) scream like high they're great great audience they scream high pitch like at the top of their lungs like they're outside playing a game yeah which is like which is awesome because then it just feels especially for as dancers, like the, usually the matinees are at 11. Mm-hmm. And that's when we're just waking up. Like normally ballet classes at 10.30 mm-hmm. to 11.30, and then you rehearse, and then you do the show in the night. Or the show's at 2 o'clock, which is, you know, still a little later. So 11 o'clock to do a full-blown performance is a lot. But then when you hear the kids screaming. Mm-hmm. And the yeah. audible gasps. Yeah, the, the audible yeah. gasps. And, like, the clap for, like, you did a split or, <laughs> yeah. you know, like, yeah. or you did a cartwheel. <laughs> and um, just, like, hearing that makes it all very... Yeah, they really feed you that energy. Yeah. Yes. Kristen, mm-hmm. as a current dancer with New York City Ballet, when you do have this busy schedule, why do you keep saying yes to these, like, extra 
projects mm -hmm. uh, that the education department offers when you already have a full full load. Mm -hmm. I believe that the work that the education department does is so important. It's creating maybe future ballet dancers, but also future ballet audiences. And it's what's going to keep the art form moving forward and continuing. And I say yes because I want to share what I love about what I do with everybody else. I've been training my whole life to do this career, so I just want to share all of that passion and joy with everybody else. And especially, and not just ballet in general, but especially what New York City Ballet does. And George Balanchine, our founder, and Robbins, and how the music connects with the dance. And I just want to share all of that and, you know, have that experience as a community with my students. It can be a pretty fulfilling experience Definitely. to connect with uh, people, all different backgrounds, diversity, and all types at mm -hmm. a, a, such a close, intimate moment. And as a dancer or as a teacher yourself, it can be a very emotional experience as well mm -hmm. to feel like you're really feeling like you're really connecting with those people. Because a lot of times we do connect with the audience, but it's not, it, it doesn't reflect back to us in the way that having this intimate workshops do. Right. And one of the most fulfilling parts is seeing oh. one of the students be engaged, whether that be an adult or a child, but seeing that you got to them, that you made a difference, that you saw them light up on mm -hmm. the inside mm -hmm. when you taught that one step and now they can't stop doing it and repeating it over and over again. Yeah. That's the best part. Also, they have the best questions because usually at the, <laughs> really? a lot of times at the end of, the, of this event, we'll do like a QA and a mm -hmm. and the like, amount of like interesting questions that I'm like, I haven't even thought of that. Yeah. And like, uh, and a lot of them know a lot about ballet already. Like we have some of the adults who have been coming to the ballet for years. They know the dancers, they know the rep. So they will have pretty deep interesting questions that like it could be it could be really fun to get into mm -hmm. into the topic of these questions yeah and sometimes they're really blunt questions too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like, yeah and i'm like all right we're here for this yeah like, i'm ready yeah. i always fun. feel like i learn a lot about my colleagues in those q a's too because stuff i don't know like favorite step least favorite step like oh, yeah. mm -hmm. what do you do when you're nervous like those are the things that we witness every day but we never talk, talk about, about or them. see yeah. Yeah. Is there a particular question that you guys can think of that, I don't know, that you remember off the top of your head? I mean, people always ask about diet and schedule and so on. One of the most interesting ones to answer is road back, like recovery, road oh, back yeah. to dancing, because everybody approaches something like that differently. I'm wondering, Colleen, could you talk about some of these access workshops that New York City Ballet does and how they're structured and how they just offer something that people are seeking. And also maybe where people can find access or uh, more information on it if they were interested. Yeah, absolutely. All of our workshops are listed on our website. So at uh, New York City Ballet's website, there's a little education section and all of the programs are there and you can sign up for them. But our public workshops and our access workshops follow a really similar format where we warm up. Dancers always start with a warm up. 
So whether that's like a more creative, kind of fun, playful one for children or a more kind of technical ballet set up for adults, uh, we start warming up together. And then what we really do is we don't teach ballet technique. And I think sometimes people are surprised by that, that New York City Ballet Education doesn't teach ballet technique. But it's about dance appreciation and engagement. So instead, mm-hmm. we always involve our repertory. So what's on stage is what the dancers are teaching and making work for who's ever in the room. And so then if those dancers go and see that performance, they can say that, oh, I did that earlier. Like I got to be in that ballet and I know that step. And whether it's access or public programs, I feel like it just really cracks open what the definition of dance is. I think in classical ballet, it can look like this really narrow lens of one version that we see on stage. And it is that but it also can be translated to so many other different actions and ways of moving. So with the access programs in particular, when we talk about a plie or we talk about a tendu, we reference how it's done traditionally in ballet, but then also what that means. Plie means to bend. And we get really inventive about bending our body and just kind of redefining and inventing and choreographing ballet right there in the room. How do you bring in the choreographic element in terms of sharing the repertoire to the people who participate in the access workshops? Mm, I think choice is a really big part of it. So when dancers are presenting their combination, there's rep that you're sharing with them and movement sequences that you're kind of inviting them to join. But I think part of the thing about the access is offering ways to make it your own. So in this movement, you might do it differently than I do, but it's uh, your own version of that step. So I think even in those tiny moments, everyone is kind of choreographing their own serenade or their own Mm -hmm. uh, whatever it might be, yeah. And visualizing the steps or visualizing movement is also equally as powerful depending on, you know, what our students choose to do that day, what feels comfortable to them in their bodies at that moment. Yeah. And also that translates to some of the work that we do in rehearsals as well. Sometimes you're capable of doing every single step Mm -hmm. and do it a a certain way. But other times you're either, you know, have to take it easy or have to do it differently. And that doesn't necessarily mean the step to be less of a step because you have a different approach or a different timing to it. Or the leg, instead of going exactly to that point, is starting to go a little bit lower but it means something else and it's still valid so the catering options for a diversity of people also is something that we do every day and not every dancer can do a role the same way mm-hmm. so it's a lot to to take into the consideration how much we do some of these techniques on an everyday professional level yeah and i think um thinking of a few things, but what's what's great about these programs. <laughs> what you laughing at? Thinking about a few things. <laughs> thinking about a few things. Um, is that they they get to the heart of why we dance. Mm-hmm. And like Colleen, as one of the leaders of the education department and Kristen too, of course, like in teaching it, you get to share the reason behind what we do at New York City Ballet and you just get to share that to all kinds of people Mm -hmm. and I think that that is what brings people to the classes the workshops it's what brings people even to see the shows on the stage yeah just getting to the heart of why we do what we do is I think one of the the core traits of the education department um Colleen what different demographics or groups 
come to the access friendly workshops or the uh, the access workshops like I know there are different groups that will come regularly or there's a different class that's specifically geared towards a certain group of people, people with disabilities. And so I'm curious, like, what are some of those groups that we invite to come to these classes? Yeah, there's so many different versions. So the program itself started with a partnership with a child with cerebral palsy. And so working with this hospital network that provides resources for children with this disability. And so the workshops were tailored for uh, these students to start with. And so how the access workshops have kind of come about is we started with hospital partnerships. So working with hospitals, finding what communities they wanted to give this kind of fun experience to, and then talking with doctors, talking with therapists, talking with physical therapists about how we could tailor the work to that. Megan Gentile, my colleague, was the person who really um, went out there and met with doctors and met with everyone to kind of formulate it. And so now we have partnerships where we might work with schools that are tailored for individuals with developmental disabilities or physical disabilities. And so we'll make those workshops specifically for those school students and where they're at. We have workshops tailored for the autism community as well. And then also individuals with physical disabilities is a really big community that we um, have workshops for and engage with. Mm -hmm. Yeah, thank you. We also just started a new performance series where we do autism-friendly performances, which we just started last year. So the house is catered for people and children with autism. And so the lights are a little bit up families can feel comfortable to attend these performances and not worry about being in a, a ballet traditional house while watching the performance. Yeah, last year we partnered with an organization to produce the Nutcracker as a sensory-friendly performance. And now we're really excited coming up this uh, spring, we're gonna have our own sensory-friendly performances of other repertory outside of the Nutcracker. So we're really excited for that. And so with this sensory-friendly performance, is that like maybe the lights are not as dim, maybe the music the is not, not as, as loud, loud, the lights are not as harsh, is that kind of what a sensory-friendly performance looks like? Yes. Also, I think audience members having the freedom to take a break if they need and mm -hmm. then come back, having quiet spaces, resources like that can really change their enjoyment of the performance so that they just have everything that they need. Yeah. Also, the audience can be really loud or really quiet as a dancer in the production. So it's like helpful for us to know while we're performing mm, as well. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, just to be aware that this is a, this is a sensory-friendly specific mm -hmm. performance, mm -hmm. and just for all parties to to know that going in, and mm -hmm. so just knowing something before you do it already brings greater peace, mm -hmm. you know. And I think this is answering my question, but I'm curious to hear what developments you have been seeing based on this experiences and this activities. Yeah, it seems like the education department is just kind of fanning out in so many different directions because wherever there's a thread, we really want to follow it. So I think the sensory-friendly performances came from these workshops working with children on the spectrum and then thinking about performances and having them come to see the company. For school programs, I think we've been really focusing on student agency and identity. So looking at 
the greater scope of the history of ballet and how that may or may not relate to students in New York City. We are New York City ballet, so it's one of our biggest goals to make that feel like uh, like someone's home team, right? Mm. For every student to connect with the company. I love that. Yeah, <laughs> me too, me too. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I guess I'm not being very specific, but I think whenever there's an opportunity for us to engage with someone in a new way, we probably don't say no. <laughs> Maybe we should. Yeah. But we just love kind of like, oh, like if that will open up access, if someone's going to be excited to come or it might bring in new audience members, then that's mm-hmm. uh, really exciting for us. So these yeah. are really yes and energy going on. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's our motto. Yeah. We really need T-shirts that say yeah. that. We, we live yeah. by yes and. You yeah. are, though. And how many people work in the education department? Because it's, it's not a huge team no we are so there's six full-time administrative staff but then we have a roster of about 22 part-time seasonal teaching artists which Claire you are one of which is so amazing and then also some teaching artist apprentices so all in all it's not more than 30 people but the bulk of that are part-time seasonal employees so just six friends all the time (laughs) yeah which I'm sure it's a it's a ton of work but also I guess as a smaller team you're able to make some decisions more quickly perhaps and move efficiently yeah and (laughs) I mean New York City is so big like in the sense of there's a lot of people there's a lot of activity there's a lot of a lot of demand schools a lot of programs so I'm sure that you are constantly getting like new invitations or new partnerships just because there is so much going on in the city but how like how amazing it is that people who are going to public school in New York City can through their school say engage with like the very iconic New York City ballet which is at the forefront of the ballet world it's just amazing like the the work that you do to bring kids and adults all from the New York City area to this really iconic institution yeah regardless of their circumstances they're like somehow able to be linked and exposed and participate yeah and it's part of the lineage of the history we had this wonderful moment where, uh, fun fact, New York City Ballet used to have a high school workout program. So that was a, in many of wow. the programs that we've done, there's also been programs that we have maybe changed or rebranded or just kind of refocused our energy. But once upon a time, there was a high school workout program. And so a couple of years ago, we had a teacher who had done the high school workout program and now was a teacher for the Nutcracker Project. Wow. So Full circle. just kind of having that moment that, <laughs> that person had New York City Ballet at their school and now they were having that experience as a teacher. It's just really exciting for sure. I and love this, that. This is why I say yes to the education department <laughs> every time no. they ask me. Yeah. <laughs> you said one of the programs was started about 10 years ago. Was it the Access one? Access program. Yeah. So I think I think I joined the company. Well, I mean, I joined the company about like 13 years ago now or so. And I just remember being, well, one, like, flattered that when, like, the education department would ask me to, like, help teach something. But then, two, it was so Mm life-giving to be able to participate in this department. And I was talking to Iran about it a little earlier, but just to, again, get back to the essence and the, of why we dance and then also just celebrating the legacy of New York City Ballet. And so just to be able to be involved with these programs has 
I think is life giving for the dancers when we have to stress out about a lot of other things, mm-hmm. you know, and like <laughs> yeah. the seriousness of it all. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And it's beautiful to see another side of your artistry as well. I think as staff members and just ballet lovers, I get to see you all dance on stage, but then seeing you teaching or being able to share kind of all of these other insights that you have is also really wonderful. So I think it kind of goes both ways in terms of different opportunities to share. Mm-hmm. What is a favorite memory that you have from your work with the education department? And Aron, I want you to answer too. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I'll go first. One of my favorite memories is actually from a recent access workshop which I've taught many times, but my teaching partner, Christopher Grant, it was his first time. So it was fun to kind of share that experience with him and co-lead the workshop with him. And when we teach the access workshops, if we can find engagement from any one of our students, it's just so special. And we were teaching Tarantella and we all had tambourines because we like to give out props sometimes. Mm-hmm. And it was a children's access workshop. And one of our students was very agitated, very upset, um, did not want to participate. And Chris walked over with the tambourine. And the next move was to hit a body part with a tambourine to make a sound. And Chris just placed the tambourine by the student's foot. And um, they move their foot, they hit the tambourine, and all of a sudden, calmness, they heard the sound, maybe it was soothing, I don't know, but it was that instant connection between the student and Chris, and that moment made such a difference. And it's just like little things like that, little moments that are really special, and that's, you know, why we do this. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. It's a really good memory. (laughs) Um, It's fresh, so it was easy to relive. (laughs) I think my favorite memory or just favorite experience is the student matinees are incredible. And when the lights go down and students cheer, I always get teary just because I'm so excited. But my favorite thing is going to school the next day and hearing what students thought Mm. about the performance Mm. and the questions they have and the theories they have for like how the behind the scenes magic happens, especially in the Nutcracker. Always fun to debate like how the bed moves or how the sleigh flies. (laughs) Um, But I think just hearing it's those wonderings, but also these just incredible artistic observations and connections. Uh, That's definitely my favorite. Mm -hmm. One of my favorites, um, actually, it involved two Kritchmars, because I don't know if you remember, but we did a adult workshop in Washington, oh, D.C. I do remember. <laughs> <laughs> and I think it was like, was it a waltz? Was it like a waltzing? What were we doing? I forget what ballet, like what rep that it was centered around. It might have been something from Vienna waltzes. Or did we do Serenade? No, I think we did Symphony and C. Symphony and C. It was more like it might have been even like a Robbins, like something. A Robbins. Uh, like shall we story. dance? Shall we dance? It was shall we dance? <laughs> or and maybe yeah, a absolutely. West side story. Like, I remember doing like waltzing around. No, 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 But anyway, we we did, we taught a workshop and Natalie Kritchmar, um, Claire's younger sister, um, got to participate, and that was pretty special because I don't think, I mean, we could get together and dance anytime. But in that environment and, and given that she has had some history with 
ballet and it was pretty special to see you two interact and have that connection that you know at some point you two danced together and at some so point, many... like our whole childhood <laughs> <laughs> and and see that from from the outside was pretty special yeah no that was really special too i, I remember that day and we were at the kennedy center mm -hmm. in washington dc and we were in like a little studio up near where we rehearse and and again, I just think that like for people who love the ballet and especially who love New York City Ballet, obviously just getting to like maybe walk around in the theater is really cool. But to be able to like be a part of a New York City Ballet class, because that's really what it is. Mm -hmm. It's because, you know, it's being taught by New York City Ballet dancers um, in New York City Ballet's house often, like in the theater or a theater. But yeah, just to like get to do that as someone who admires it so much like someone like my sister it is really special and then of course there's the you know when you bring your close family and friends into mm -hmm. the thing you love mm -hmm. as we've been saying over and yeah. over but it was that was yeah it was also sweet. something about like going on tour and not just i mean there's already an energy of like you're bringing something to the place that they're not really used to so everyone is really excited like for example when we went to madrid and as a matter of fact was our first time performing there the audience response was like incredible just mm -hmm. by the fact that the company was there mm -hmm. but um the family saturday that we hosted there like the i i did not imagine the response was going to be that that big and people were going to love it and the amount of people that I talked to afterwards that were still lingering around the theater that were just like fascinated by the opportunity that we were we were there and then we happened to provide such a experience yeah and you hosted that one right because yeah. so it was in Spain it was in Madrid it was in Madrid and and I and you did it in Spanish and I did it in Spanish yeah <laughs> You're probably how about that? How about that? <laughs> the Spaniard spoke Spanish at a theater yeah. in Madrid. Um. <laughs> but it, it, see, like people really took advantage of it. You know, you never know what kind of turnout there's going to be. We know how things are going to be in New York because we do them more often. But you go somewhere else and you presented this and you hope that there's going to be a, a good turnout. But I didn't imagine to be that well taken. Yeah. And um, what excerpts did you guys do for the Family Saturday there? We did The Times Are Racing by oh, Justin Peck. Kristen performed. Mm -hmm. Oh, cool. Yeah. Which, yeah. The, was it like an ensemble We did thing? the whole thing. The whole thing. thing. No way. Yes. Yep. Yeah. So, and did you do any other excerpts or it was like, it was more about the that Times was the main. Racing. Yeah, that was the main presentation and, and yeah. we talked about it, explaining it and, and I'm answering questions about it afterwards and... Was, some, was someone in the audience, like, with a mic to help, <laughs> you know, get the questions from the audience members to you? I think we allow them to, like, submit questions either priorly or, like, That's even smart. during they were, like, submitting questions. So. That's smart. Yeah. I know. How cool, though, that you could do that in your homeland and, yeah. and use the nat natural language. And, um, I mean, that's another thing that I know you guys have done is, uh, Ron, you've read the Sleeping Beauty book aloud in Spanish mm -hmm. um, during the pandemic when we weren't doing a lot of mm -hmm. in-person things like you um, at the education department have created some new outlets too and then tapping into different languages even. Yeah, also catering to different demographics with different languages. Yeah, we we got really creative the past couple of years. <laughs> so, <laughs> many, so many videos. Um, 
But yeah, I think that's one of the things that is a necessity working with public school students. New York City has so many different languages spoken on a daily basis, and so that's true in school. So while we certainly don't have every language translation, the books that we do have, having them translated into Spanish, working on Portuguese, working on Mandarin, just, uh, I think we, yeah, working on an Italian edit, just any language uh, that a company dancer kind of wants to read a book in, we've been really trying to get that into our repertoire and share that with schools so that instead of just having a translated version, there's someone reading them the story. in a different way. Yeah, and these are like ballet books like Sleeping Beauty, The Nutcracker, Swan, Swan Lake. Lake. Yeah. Um, I don't know if there's a Midsummer Night's Dream one. Maybe coming but up. But I, I would yet. love to <laughs> see it. I would it's love to see Simon it. Simon Schuster, see what they think. Uh, I love that one. Mm. <laughs> and that's one of the things that's hard about this subject is that it's there's so much. And I liked what you were saying earlier about like if you there's a thread, you try to follow it through. And I think that's why there's like you know, there's so many things that are wonderful to discuss about the department itself, but at the same time, like, there's almost too many threads to <laughs> hash out fully mm-hmm. in the context of a podcast. Yeah, I mean, I've been working for the education department just under 20 years, and, you know, I'm learning new things that I didn't even know that we did today. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Honestly, same. I've yeah. been here going on six years, and I feel like just hearing about the programs on tour and programs that we have done. It's a really cool legacy to be a part of. Mm-hmm. I think that's why it has that fresh energy that you were like, it's still developing, the department is still growing and the, the very fast as well. Like it feels like, oh, the, the educational department is like a new thing, but it, it, it's been established. However, it is growing and expanding and continuously. And mm-hmm. it, it has that very fresh energy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's really important that our programs aren't static uh, mm-hmm. just because learning and who we're working with is constantly changing. So, yeah, even though the education department has been around for a long time, we have changed it up so many different times. There's uh, a lot of programs that we've done and programs we will do. So it's a super uh, fun department to work in because they're kind of constantly being creative as well. Yeah. Well, we will look forward to participate in any capacity that we can. And we also encourage our listeners to please check out our website and part of the education department in it and links to different things that they can participate and inquire about. So please don't hesitate to go and, and have fun with it. Yeah. Thank you guys for joining us today. Of course. Thank you. Thank you for having us. <laughs> Thank you for joining us on City Ballad, the podcast. Be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts to stay up to date on episode releases. All of us at New York City Ballad hope to see you soon in the theater. Head over to nycballet.com to see what's on our stage. Could I be like the honorary person that comes and just like... It's a really good role model <laughs> for you the dancing. Do you want to be a good student? <laughs> I could be a hype audience member. Yeah, can I guess. be one of those people? <laughs>